So, Mark. Yeah? The classic 1970s Disney film didn't just launch a generation of furries. It also correctly identified that the essence of Robin Hood can be found in a bipedal fox. Accurate. So, what I wanted to ask you was, what's another story or character or just another movie that you think could find its truest form with animal protagonists? So, animal protagonists, great movie. I think a good movie to replace with an animal cast is an ensemble movie. Because then you can emphasize or highlight different types of animals. And so, with that in mind, my first thought was the 1980s Clue the movie. Obviously, you start. Mrs. Peacock is a peacock. Sure. Mrs. White is a fox. A white fox. Because she's crafty. There's gotta be a monkey. And then you keep the monkey's brain joke in there. Sure, I'm just trying to think who the monkey would be, because honestly, it feels like Tim Curry would be a good monkey character. I think so. Like a chimpanzee in a butler's outfit? Yeah, or an orangutan. Yeah. Obviously, both of those are not monkeys. Please do not add us on Twitter. (laughs) I think that also Colonel Mustard would be a very good cowardly lion. Comes in all blustery. He has that energy. And then Miss Scarlet obviously would be a sexy version of my first thought was fish and it's just the angelina jolie <laughs> fish from shark tale look uh, that would work it would be difficult to figure out how to get her in all the scenes but that character would work as miss scarlet just a fish tank being pushed around on wheels by a silent animal it would be some kind of lackey from the brothel that she runs yeah or Yvette has to move it around as the maid. I was going to say, what animal is Yvette? Um, is she like a sexy bunny. skunk? Like, that's a classic. She's sexy bunny. Like, oh, it's sure. a little, I mean, it's a little on the nose because <laughs> of the whole Playboy maid outfit that she wears. But I think it works. So I was thinking about this and I kept falling down the movie where you replace every actor but one with Muppets rabbit hole. Obviously, my first thought was actually Knives Out. And I realized it was because of that thought process. Right. Which has been on my brain, too, because I recently watched Escape from New York for the first time. And I'm like, well, obviously, you keep Kurt Russell and everybody else is a Muppet. Like, it writes itself. Sam Eagle is the president. Uh, Gonzo is Harry Dean Stanton. Camilla is Adrian Barbeau. Like, it's easy. Then I was like, what about Jerry Maguire? Like, Jerry could be a dog. And then I was like, what if Jerry Maguire was, like, Kermit? And wait a minute, I just did Jerry Maguire should be all Muppets with Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, It's definitely a very easy crossover because most Muppets are animals. Right. That's Every time I thought of a dog, I was picturing Rolf, and that's what was getting me in trouble. But who would be Renee Zellweger? Janice. Yeah, uh, you could do Janice. (laughs) Well, yeah, because that's the thing, because Piggy is clearly Cuba's wife. Right, obviously. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you do one of two things. You either do Janice and she's weirdly much cooler, or you use that weird, like, pig from the ABC show who looks like Natalie Dormer. Oh. Oh. Or Camilla. And she doesn't get any lines. (laughs) Imagine it's Gonzo and Camilla instead of Kermit as Jerry Maguire. I mean, I love Gonzo as Jerry Maguire, because then all the moments where, like, Jerry goes off the deep end would be, like, ten times more ridiculous with Gonzo, like, jumping off buildings and stuff. 
Did you think of one for animals, though? I knew we would end up on this digression. Yeah, um, I kept thinking of, like, 80s and 90s action movies. So I was like, what about, like, Total Recall and everybody is a different type of dog? And I was like, is that just, like, the Snow Buddies version of a Paul Verhoeven movie? Robocop. But he's a German Shepherd. Uh, yeah, I thought of that, and I was like, is, like, making Arnold Schwartz... Well, I guess Robocop isn't. But I, thought, I was thinking of that with Terminator. I was like, is making Schwarzenegger a German dog a little too on the nose? Well... It's not called an Austrian Shepherd. I suppose so. I think where I've landed with all this like 80s, 90s stuff swirling and the Jerry Maguire of it all is I want to say anything with animals. Interesting. Yep. Lloyd is a weird beaver who's like very intense about some things, but not about anything else. And the girl is played by a, a badger who has like that respectable energy, but you can see like getting down with the beaver. I was shocked that you didn't propose a species-swapped Howard the Duck, to be honest. (laughs) But, like, once you get into, like, I mean, this is already, like, pretty touchy situations. Like, we're dealing with species switching all over the place. It would be like if you took a person who was studying political science, and then you had them working with a scientist, and then, like, a weird party went on, and they married a duck. You'd be like, what? There are too many different layers happening here. Wait, did that happen in the... No, this didn't happen in the movie. This happened in a recent episode of Marvel's What If? Okay, I was so confused because I thought I remembered the plot of the movie. But also, if I hallucinated the entire thing, not a surprise either. Mark, if you are going to keep up on Duck Talk, you need to be following the alternate universe Marvel show where Darcy marries Howard the Duck. Or, alternately, I could not. But what would be the fun of that? I would not subject myself to any more Howard the Duck content. That sounds fun to me. Again, what would be the fun of that? I also have a very strong moral opposition to that show because of the What If show on Netflix, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just cruel what they did trying to erase such a classic TV show that Netflix forgot existed i mean nobody in the world needs to rush to marvel's defense but that comic book series is from like the early 90s well what if on netflix is technically still airing so they have two of the (laughs) same show names on at the same time we should start tweeting at netflix um i wish you could use campaign i wish you could use punctuation in hashtags because i would do hashtag what slash about what slash if that's a good one yeah but it doesn't work Maybe you just tweet that and then hashtag it, what about what if? Yeah. Maybe I'll spell it out, like spell out the word hashtag, what the word slash about what slash if. Catherine, That'll be clear. if you had to replace all of the animals in a movie or replace all of the people in a movie with animals, what would you choose? Okay, so thinking about this, literally the only thing I could think of was Princess Diaries with dogs. But then I realized that that's basically a crossover of the Aristocats and Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> so I think I just need those two movies together and then I'm set. You don't want to go with must love dogs, but they are just dogs or fever pitch, but they're also dogs and he's just really into fetch instead of baseball. What about one of the like rapid aging movies like Big or 13 Going on 30 or something like that? but it's with insects, so they metamorphose. Hmm. I mean, I think that still is a hard thing, though, because 
a bug's life is only, or an insect only lives for a couple of weeks. Yes, but we suspend our disbelief on that for every movie about insects. The B-movie tries to do something with it and then abandons it. 13 growing on 30, caterpillar going on butterfly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mark, did you recently see Jerry Seinfeld did an interview where he was like, it turns out a lot of people watched that movie and thought the bee had a crush on the human woman. And I'm like, thought nothing. It is like in the text. That is textual, sir. We all know it was on purpose and now you're too much of a coward to take credit. Don't rewrite history, Jerry. Come on. Wow. B-movie. Did we cover B-movie? We, we covered B-movie. Yeah. Ugh. I tried to block that out of my memory. Because that then is one of those movies that like I have students who are into it and then they're always thrown off because they're like, wow, you've thought a lot about B-movie because I have all of our takes from the podcast stored up. I do not have those stored up. But speaking of terrible movies, I can't wait I don't know to what talk you're talking about, about this week's movie. So let's get this show on the road and let's torture Catherine some more. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is a podcast dedicated to investigating the least important issue facing the world today. Is this the best movie? (laughs) And also, does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? Has a movie ever tried to say so much while saying so little? But so loudly. And also, are the people actually dateable or likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation or if it just doesn't know what it's doing with the romance. We will dig in and see what's there. And this week, we are rejoined by our good friend Catherine Sizemore to talk about Otto Bathurst's 2018 triumph, Robin Hood. I disagree with the <laughs> use of the word triumph. I had more fun watching this movie even alone on my laptop, than I had any right to. Because it's the thing of, it is so stupid that it circles around to being delightful. It is just so dumb. When does it circle for you? The beginning. When when Tim Minchin is giving the like opening prologue, and he's like, I can't tell you what year it is, I don't remember. And I'm like, Robin Hood is set in a specific time period. You wouldn't care about the history like (laughs) yeah yeah he says he won't bore us with the history like this movie starts off so funny and then right after they do the prologue they do like robin and mary and me whatever who cares and then it goes into a full-on iraq war movie (laughs) with like full-on like paul greengrass jump cuts like they're jumping around there's a machine gun scorpion trebuchet thing Machine gun, bow and arrows, automatic bow and arrow weapons. What are we doing? How could you not love this? Because this movie is angry. The perfect encapsulation of what makes a movie so bad that it's good, which is trying and thinking that you're saying something important while failing to say anything at all. What's interesting to me is that I think part of it is like, A lot of the people involved on the production side of this movie have, like, very little to their name. But then, like, they've got some pretty good actors in this. Like, Jamie Dornan is much too good for how little he has to do in this movie. So you always have a sense, like, wow, he's got a lot going on, but I don't know what any of it is. And not in, like, a cool Mos Eisley Cantina way. Just in a, like, I don't know what you care about, but you care a lot. 
I think that they actually thought they would get a sequel. Exactly. They're entirely setting him up to be like the sheriff of Nottingham that we yes. like are familiar with from the fairy tales. And like this movie is so horrible that it was never uh, going to happen. But like perfect. It, it was, the script was originally sold as Robin Hood colon origins. Ugh. You can't sell an origin story about someone who has a very clear origin story. But also, like, we had also just done a Robin Hood origin. This script was sold in 2015. The Ridley Scott movie was in 2010, and that is a Robin Hood origin story. We never asked for this movie. We didn't need this movie. What's funny is, at the time it was sold, there were two other Robin Hoods in development. So, like, even then, there was, like, a glut of Robin Hood projects. This was just the first one to get made. I mean, I think there's a pretty clear line between the growth of income inequality in a country and the growth and popularity of the story of Robin Hood. But also, none of those other versions probably would have had the courage, the sheer gumption, to costume this movie exclusively <laughs> off of H&M racks. Marion's outfits made me laugh every time. And Catherine, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I had such a delight every time she appeared on screen. Not because her character was interesting, because she wasn't. But she would show up in, like, a full elaborate lace nightgown. And I'm like, how poor is Marion supposed to be? Or then, like, sometimes she just have a nice sweater. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice sweater that you made in the mines, I guess. The mines, which are, like, full-on Brazilian favelas, but on fire. Or the crop tops. Yeah. There's a guy, there's an extra at one point, and I guess he's kind of featured in the shot as he's, like, nailing a hood. But he straight up looks like 2010 Justin Bieber. Purple hoodie and all. I am not kidding. It is a hoodie. There are scenes where Jamie Dornan is straight up just wearing like a striped pajama shirt. Like <laughs> they went to Penny's and bought his clothes. I think my favorite is just the straight up Paxson beanie. There's just a full on beanie. And the thing is, like, all of this was a choice. Like they told the set and the costume designers you should be going one third period style, one-third contemporary, and one-third futuristic. I don't know how much futuristic stuff there is. It feels like they went two-thirds contemporary. It feels like they went one-half whatever we can find in the bargain bin at H&M. When Jamie Dornan leads the, like, Manchester riot-looking group of mine dwellers who never seem to be doing any mining. and There is no mining in this movie. Own it? own the mines apparently anyway when they show up to do riots and they're like fully just dressed like it is the year 2018 i lost it i just started cackling what were the bandanas he was wearing on his face you know they're trendy it looked like he was wearing a neck gaiter it was incredible everything about this is perfect the entire conversation where Robin is mad at Jamie Foxx for cutting off his jet, like his coat. And it's like, oh, well, now it's a jacket. And you're just, why? Okay. Is Jamie Foxx doing an accent in this movie? Because I feel like it changes every line. I would say he thinks he is, but doesn't care enough to commit. That seems fair. Whereas, like, I think... Ben Mendelsohn is near great in this movie. Not in like a I was going to say, 
he's giving a genuinely good performance. I think it's so good, it's almost a problem. Because, like, so this movie's 2018, they shoot in 2017. I think that character on paper, I noticed it this time, I did not notice it the last time. I think that character is very Trumpy on paper. If you look at his dialogue, he's trumping up, not to use, you know, but he's, like, stirring up conflicts with outsiders who don't actually have a problem. He's saying, like, they're coming for you, us. They are laughing at us. They're going to shame us. You need to rally around me, do whatever. He has, like, a conspiracy with corrupt religious leaders. Like, it's all very, like, craven and Trumpy on paper. But because it's Ben Mendelsohn, it's like his Rogue One character where he's this, like, frustrated administrator who just wants everyone to get out of the way so he can do things the way that they need to be done. And he's also got the rags to riches backstory right. that he is playing really well. I think, and he's, I mean, he's obviously he's pretty hot. Yes. But obviously the whole nativism and all of that element is apparent and they're trying to say so much again. But the best part of this entire movie is the vague unexplained political system where people keep talking about freedom and votes specifically the youth vote but also there's a king and I think it's supposed to be an absolute monarchy but only the lords vote also. So the lords vote on decisions and Ben Mendelsohn decides he needs Robin Hood on his side to help with the youth vote. Unclear if that means young lords or youth voting. As you said, the line goes unexplained. I laugh riotously every time I get to that line. Also, Jamie Dornan's attempt to quote-unquote develop a political career, it makes no sense. Right! There's no elections! And how is the... Please explain to me how the sheriff trumps these lords, if we're in some sort of monarchical system, a lord is a lord appoints a sheriff. Like, how is the sheriff in charge here? So what you need to know, Catherine, is that the sheriff is conspiring with Cardinal F. Murray Abraham to take all the tax money, funnel it to the Arabs, so then the English will lose the Crusades and then the cardinal and the sheriff will be in charge. You understood that, right? I understood that it was their intent (laughs) when they explicitly stated it. I think this movie thinks that Assassin's Creed is true. I don't understand (laughs) how it's possible that that could be any sort of actual thing that could happen, because it couldn't. Like, F. Murray Abraham has the Apple of Eden. We're clear on that, right? Oh, of course. The thing is, this movie is trying to position the sheriff as, like, the military taking control from the political system. But again, this movie is bad and fails in every way, so that any attempt at saying something meaningful is undermined by the sheer hilarity that is this film from start to finish. Is the sheer hilarity of this film the time for us to talk about the last time we saw this movie? I do think we need to tell the story of when we all watched this together. So we are among the small group of people who saw Robin Hood 2018 in theaters because... We went, like, opening night, too. No, it was... It opened on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We went the following Monday. Okay. Yeah, it was in its first week of release. Because, Mark, you read 
David Ehrlich's review of this movie on IndieWire, which was incredible. Like, I feel like he got out of it what you and I got out of it. And we decided that the three of us would go and see the movie. And we deliberately did, like, it was like a Monday night at like 7.30. Already Robin Hood had been relegated to the smallest theater at the AMC Georgetown. That, like, three-row screen that's terrible. I think there are about 20 seats in the room. And we've seen many movies in that the- in that screen. Yeah, that's where I saw Thor 2, like, three months after it came out. I mean, we also saw Overboard there. Yeah. So we reserved our seats. There was nobody there. We were, like, good to go. We can have a rowdy screening of Robin Hood 2018. And we got there, and... By the time the movie started, there were a few more people in there. Every seat was full. That's not true. I'm pretty sure it was It was not a sold-out screening. I think the problem is, in that theater, having five other people there makes it feel like a sold-out screening. There were more than five other people there. So anyway, we were having a great time, just like chuckling, whispering to each other. You know, I... At one point during, like, the dumb Mary and pep talk scene, leaned over to Mark and I whispered, if not now, when? If not who, us? And then a minute later, she said that because that is the level this script is operating. Oh my god, that was the best moment in a theater. So you and I were having a blast. Just laughing, cracking jokes. We were having a great time. Except for the fact that everyone else in the theater kept looking at us. And I have never been so afraid in my entire life that I was going to get banned from my movie theater. We wouldn't have gotten banned. They would have just said, go home. I was terrified. I live like three blocks from this movie theater. We're there all the time. Like, it is a big part of my calendar. I cannot get kicked out of this movie theater. And And we were fine. We had a great time. So I'm sitting there, hating every second of this movie, very aware that everyone around us is like, what are these people doing? Well, well, what do you, were you think to- they were liking the movie? <laughs> That's the other thing, Catherine. Do you think anyone was enjoying the film? Not more than we were. Why else would they have been there to see it? <laughs> Why were we there? Why were we there to see it? It's not like a Peter Rabbit situation where people are taking their children to see the movie for real. I think everyone there was disappointed by the film. We just enjoyed it. But they were expecting to like it. We weren't expecting to like it. Well, that's on them, honestly. So, you know, we're there ruining their perfectly lovely movie experience. And I just decide that I need to disassociate from Will and Mark as much as I possibly can. So if they get kicked out, I'm not kicked out with them. We were never in danger of being kicked out. I don't think AMC Georgetown has like a wall of shame behind the ticket counter where they (laughs) keep track of who's allowed in or out. I guess it would be a little easier since we show them our name every time we go since we use A-list. Yeah. I mean, they could have the power to cancel our A-list, but I think this was still MoviePass era. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's right around the time that we changed, because this is right around the time that Nutcracker and the Four Realms opened. And that was the first movie I used A-list for. Yeah, so I just decided to disassociate as much as I could from Will and Mark in the course of watching this movie, except for the fact that they would continually poke me Yeah, when something side. funny happened. Whenever something they deemed funny happened. Which which, was often. Which was about every, like, 45 seconds. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit for talking to me exasperatedly every time Marion had a new outfit. 
Okay, that's fair. I did do that because the costuming in this movie just makes me so mad. No, it's funny. It's like that lace thing. It looks like she just got back from like one of those creepy maternity photo shoots that people do. Oh, yes. I and I was particularly perplexed by it again on this rewatch because that's also when Robin is like spying on her and it like looks like she's like getting into a negligee. Nope, it's just this weird thing. It's just like. Mark, are you conscious enough of the straights to know about weird maternity photo shoots? I am because one time back before people knew how to make their Facebooks private, we found my teacher's weird maternity photo shoot. LOL. (laughs) That rules. (laughs) that was honestly my first exposure to them in the real world it was a lot yeah they they shouldn't happen but this costuming is just wild make a choice they made a choice (laughs) they made five choices and none of them go together this movie does something very very smart that makes it easy to watch and that is cast two of the hottest men in hollywood to be in the movie three of the hottest men including ben mendelson because there is never a moment where there isn't eye candy on screen <laughs> it's funny it's like you went three for ben mendelson you're like two of the hottest men i was like all right jamie dornan ben mendelson <laughs> <laughs> Taron egerton is not difficult to look at no Actually, the Otto Bathurst, the director, was so determined to have him, they delayed production on this thing for like a year so he could shoot the second Kingsman movie. I just I just really want to talk to these people's agents and figure out why they signed on to this movie. I think on paper it makes sense. You know, there's a Robin Hood movie every decade. They usually do fine. This one is like maybe a franchise option. And yeah, I get it. Like, it doesn't feel like a crazy move for anybody in this movie to me. But I- once... You've seen the script. I think the main question for why people would be in it is the, if not you, who being actually included in the dialogue. Right. It's an incredibly hackneyed screenplay. But I feel like once you get the vibe of this movie, which is like cool, semi-updated Robin Hood, you just kind of assume like, you know, it's like an 80s action movie where like the dialogue is kind of cheesy, but as long as the action is cool, nobody cares. The problem is the action just doesn't make any sense. So instead of like thinking like, wow, this is pretty cool. You're like, wow, Jamie Foxx just gave himself a metal fist. That was so weird. And then he doesn't use it enough is the problem. Like if he was using it all the time, that would rule. Right. He only really uses it when he's swinging from the rope with the rope thing. Right. Yeah. But it's not even that particular line, which is the most insane line in the movie. But, you know, I guess getting into the romance when Rob and Marion first, first he calls himself Rob the entire movie, which kill me. But, you know, they first meet and he goes, I'm Rob. And she says, I'm busy. Like. Yeah, they wanted to cast Busy Phillips. They wrote it in the script. (laughs) And then she goes into this thing about wanting to steal the horse from the Toph that lives in the mansion and. He's like, I'm the spoiled Toph who lives in the manor, and you're completely beautiful. Yeah, it's and a it's a it's a hammy meat cute. It like makes I'd me. I totally vomit. forgotten that was how the movie started. Yeah, that's the second of the movie's three prologues. I will say, I just learned. I was doing a little research, and I just learned that the director of this movie is the most prominent British member of what has been described in court in New South Wales as a socially harmful cult 
called what? universal what? medicine. So I know what I will be researching this. after this. You gotta tell us, do you know anything more about this? Because I didn't pick this up. It is an esoteric healing-based thing that sells products. Uh, nothing is evidence-based. It was founded by Sergei Benhayon uh, since 1999. And uh, a New South Wales Supreme Court jury found it was true to say that he leads a socially dangerous and socially harmful cult, intentionally indecently touch clients, and is a charlatan who makes fraudulent medical claims. This is the head of this organization. This is the head, yes. And the organization itself is legally allowed to be called a cult in Australia. Yikes. And it does, like, unregulated medical stuff. Seems bad. I wonder if there's any podcasts about it. (laughs) (laughs) If there isn't, there is one in progress. (laughs) Yes. I need to go to journalism school real quick. BRB must learn how to do a cult podcast. Um, speaking of our director, Otto Bathurst, this is like his highest profile thing. He's only directed one other movie and he's mostly a UK TV guy. Like he got a BAFTA for an episode of Peaky Blinders for directing. Now he's currently attached as an executive producer on his Dark Materials and is going to be a director on the Halo series that is allegedly finally being made. A TV series or movie series? TV series. There has been some kind of Halo project in the works for like the last decade. Yeah, I mean, like, since Halo came out, I'm sure. Yeah. It's currently at Paramount+. Plus. We'll see if it gets made Ugh. there. For a long time, there was supposed to be a thing at Showtime. Who the heck knows? I could not care less, to be fully honest. As a PlayStation guy, I don't have a strong relationship to Halo, outside of being very bad at it in your VCW dorm. I'm very Marco. pro-Halo, Halo rules. <laughs> The writers of this movie barely exist. Um, It's credited to Ben Chandler and David James Kelly. I would assume those were pen names. Like, they have no Wikipedia pages. Chandler has nothing else on his page and no photo. The only reason I think they might exist is because the other guy, David James Kelly, who also has no photo on IMDb and, like, barely is there, he has this movie listed and then a lot of credits for the same short film, like writer, producer, director. And I'm like... Well, that's something that someone added themselves because they really wanted their short film on there. So I guess this dude is a real person and not a writer who threw a pen name on because they didn't want to be associated with it. That is shocking. Are we sure this movie's not a fever dream? Like, No, we've seen it twice. Sure? And this time we all watched it separately. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that at least some of our listeners have watched it themselves. If not, it is streaming on Prime through imdb tv go enjoy and then they can be among the few other people who have seen this movie i mean robin hood was a gigantic flop so like i said it was the wednesday of thanksgiving november 23rd 2018 it opened in seventh wow which for a movie that cost 100 million dollars is just a disastrous opener it opened with nine million dollars But also, like, this was a stupid time to put out a movie that they barely advertised. Like, just to remind you of Thanksgiving 2018, which was a juggernaut just of big movies. It opened the same day as Ralph Breaks the Internet and Creed 2. And the Friday before was the release of the Illumination Grinch movie, Fantastic Beasts 2, and then Widows opened in this window too. So it's, like, up against four, like gigantic hits and also widows which is just good and i wanted to mention it but that movie was also kind of a flop 
Widow's Rules. I was going to say, that movie wasn't exactly a massive hit. Yeah, but to not advertise, like, an action movie, if you're going to put it out against Creed and Harry Potter, like, what are you doing? Who are, Who do you think is coming to this? I mean, it doesn't help that the reviews came out and were god-awful. Yeah, you'd think if it had been good, that was still a window where you could have a word-of-mouth hit. You know, it was a year after The Greatest Showman. Green Book was out right around then, and that movie just, like, slow-rolled its way to a decent chunk of money. (laughs) But, like, Robin Hood ultimately made $30 million in North America. (laughs) That is shocking. Yeah. Movies in the pandemic made more money than this. That's that's sad for them. Well, I think they got what they deserved. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they deserve to make more money. This movie yeah. is bad. No, that's... I, I wholeheartedly agree, but that's just an embarrassing statistic for them. Well, it seems like Taron Edgerton has done okay. You know, he had Rocket Man the next year. I, I, think, I think people are mostly... Mostly bounced back from this. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of weird that no one's career was impacted by this, except maybe Marion. But she wasn't that big beforehand. Right, and she's done steady work on TV still then. I think everyone dodged this because this movie had so little footprint. Like, people did not know this movie was coming out. So when it flopped, nobody noticed. So nobody took a fall for it because no one realized it had happened. That... Is very true and also hilarious. Right, but you also think about 2018 where like Taryn Egerton and Jamie Dornan were. They had both already signed on to like major projects by the time this would have come out where they wouldn't have been dropped, like and announced where they wouldn't have been dropped from those projects. Right, and Egerton had the Kingsman movies, so like he was fine. Yeah, and I, I mean, Fifty Shades had already come out. Jordan can't do, couldn't do anything that was going to damage his career more than that. If it, anything was going to damage his career, like a reputation for being like an action guy or anything. Like, yeah, you've fine. already done Fifty Shades. But now we know he just wants to be a musical. He just wants to musicals. sing. And that's what I want from him. Yeah, honestly. Well, well Belfast is about to come out and he's going to sing in it. I'm into it. Barb and Star forever. He's the best. So uh, speaking of great things, I think we should probably talk about the romance of Robin Hood. <laughs> All right, so every week we break down the romance of a movie into five points to help guide our conversation. Catherine, as our guest and as Robin Hood 2018's number one fan, could you please bring us to point one? You've seen this movie twice. You've seen it two times more than the vast majority of America. You just got really annoyed at us that we kept ruining movies that you liked, so we tried to take another tack. Uh, you you did, and I appreciate it. I just don't appreciate that I had to watch this movie again. So, you know, I've already kind of talked about point number one, but it really is the barn where they meet. They meet with the line, I'm Rob, I'm busy. Yeah, Marion, who's played by Eve Houston, who is Bono's daughter, is stealing his horse. Sorry, stealing Robin Hood's horse, not Bono's horse. Bono's horse, I assume, is fine. I figured whatever spoiled toff lives in this manor wouldn't miss one of his... And you'd be absolutely right, he wouldn't. Lords, they're born with everything, want for nothing. They make me sick. You don't work in the mines. Hands too soft for a tradesman. Who are you? I'm the spoiled dove who lives in this manor. 
And you are completely beautiful. Except he, she's really stealing Robin of Luxley's horse because he hasn't put on the hood yet. He hasn't been drafted yet. He gets he a draft notice. Drafted draft notice. It says draft notice. So yeah, that's point number one. They meet. There's obvious sexual chemistry, I guess. They are clearly boning. She's like living in his manner. Like that's just life. She and when he gets drafted, it's very much implied that like she's just going to keep living in his manner. Yeah. Okay. So that's point number two. We get like a three minute montage, two minute montage. Of them being all lovey-dovey, like, hanging out, making out, obviously having lots of sex. She's got a lot of eyeliner. You know, what What time period are we set in again? Who in their right mind would let this happen? But, you know, suspension of disbelief, I guess. Robin and Marion. Seasons passed, their romance blossomed. They were young, in love, and that was all that mattered. Until the cold hand of fate reached out for them. But, you know, that all comes to an end with the uh, cruel hand <laughs> of fate that is a draft notice from the Sheriff of Nottingham. But, like, maybe not fate because he might have just drafted Robin so that he could take his land. Oh, yeah. No, that's entirely what happened. Yeah. That's, that's implied. But fate, Sheriff of Nottingham, same difference. So... Yeah, Rob gets drafted uh, into the Crusades, and he asks... <laughs> it's like a full Hurt Locker sequence. And then he gets injured, and they put him on a medical ship back to England, which is definitely a thing. Let's take all the sick and wounded people here in, like, Syria and put them on a boat to England. That's a good use of resources with Excuse medieval you. medicine. They won't all die along the way there. Will, they're actually in the Arabian Peninsula, which makes zero sense because the Crusades were very specifically about the Holy Land. Oh, I assumed that they were just generalizing what they called their No, because at one point they said Arabian Peninsula. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I believe you. If you're trying to convince me this movie was wrong about something, I will believe you. There yeah. was a location title card that said some some peninsula, but I didn't take the energy to look up to read where they specifically were talking about so yeah so he asks her to uh wait for him and tells her that she can keep living in his manor so then we go and we have a basically the hurt locker war movie um featuring automatic bows cool giant auto bow like automatic weapon bow it's like the scorpion siege weapon merged with a gatling gun to which i say Cool. Me 20 minutes in saying, oh, I forgot that Jamie Foxx was in this movie. <laughs> this movie's amazing. <laughs> How could you not like this movie? <laughs> Jamie Foxx, who is an Arab, I guess, somehow knows that Cardinal F. Murray Abraham is one of the most powerful men in the world. Why would he even have heard of him? Because he's been killing crusaders all of his life. Duh. Yeah, but they're not talking about this one guy. No, they're not. So, you know, Rob does something noble, earns Jamie Foxx's loyalty, and returns home on a medical ship when he... LOL. <laughs> uh, gets shot by friendly fire. And he returns home, and his manor is in tatters, and there's a bunch of notices from the sheriff on the door. 
that are like, failed to pay taxes, we're seizing your land. I like in this movie where everyone pays taxes in money, which definitely was not a thing in the Middle Ages. Well, it seems more that a lot of very poor people in this town own gold plates. That's There's true. a lot of gold plates that they Maybe are paying that's what their they're taxes mining. in. Also, somehow Robin was the only person that lived at his manor, which is definitely not how... Well, no, Ma- Marion lived there and she got kicked out. Right, but that's not how manners worked. I think it's like in Shrek. Like, the guy in charge decided he wanted the land and so just drove out everyone who was there. Like, maybe there were, like, peasants living at the manor and now they live in the mines. Okay. You know, the mines, where you see all the mining happening. Where there's just a lot of fire. The set caught fire, like, burned to the ground. They had to move production from, like, from Budapest to Paris because they burned down their entire set. Yeah. Amazing. So point number three, Rob comes back and shock of all shocks, Marion didn't wait for him. He sees her like from afar with Jamie Dornan, who is wearing a button down and jeans and they share a nice little kiss. And you're like, oh, you know, good for Marion. She wound up with a hottie. Rob? Marion. I knew she'd come. Whatever it is she wants, she cannot know what we're doing. Too dangerous for her and us. If we get caught, they will kill us all. No matter how much you want to, you cannot go down there. I think it is different not waiting for him so much as she genuinely thought he was dead. He was so reported down. Right. There's a joke about dead people voting. Again, oh very God. Trumpy Sheriff of Nottingham. When Friar Tuck is like, yes, Robin of Loxley is alive. You got to wait for his input. And the sheriff's like, oh, we're letting dead people vote now. It's like, nope, he he alive. So yeah, so obviously Robin's uh, very upset by this. I will say this is not Marion's fault. She was told he was dead. He's been gone for four years, they say. So like, girl has got to move on. He was reported dead two years prior to him coming back. So I I don't dislike her for this choice, but, you know, that's point number three. Who among us would not date a hot person named Will with a reddish last name? I mean, have either of us dated you? No. Who among us would not date Jamie Dornan, if given that opportunity? I would date Jamie Dornan. Tomato, tomato. You're saying that you're... You're Jamie Dornan in this situation? In this situation, yes. Mark, how do we feel about that? All right. Anyway. <laughs> what point are we on? Are we still on point three? Uh, yeah, we're in point three. So in talking to Jamie Foxx, who is, if you're following Robin Hood in the way that you know it, is Little John. Yes, I know this is confusing because Robin Hood is a fox, but Jamie Foxx plays Little John, who is a bear. This movie's great. so so little john jamie fox uh and they they don't call him little they just call him john but he tells robin that he has to win his woman back and the way to do that is by becoming the kind-hearted steal from the rich and give to the poor because what marion does with her time is she basically runs a soup kitchen and she feeds people 
But there's nothing kind and charming about it. It's all like like a Rocky training montage about like the more arrows you can hold, the more arrows you can shoot and like doing weird, like intense training stuff. In which they also kind of, they kind of make it, they're going kind of Mortal Kombat vibe there. I mean, it's Assassin's Creed is what it is. Like yeah. this, this movie is an Assassin's Creed thing. Yeah. They were like, what's cool with the kids these days? And during this time period, he's training to become the hood which just really gives me some great Riverdale flashbacks. Oh, see, for me, the hood is a, like, minor Marvel Comics villain from the late 2000s. It was cool. He had a cursed hood that let him summon demons. I don't know what you're talking about, because the hood is and will always be from Robin Hood 2018. Yeah, so he has this training montage. He becomes the hood. Also, during this training, he decides it's appropriate to go spy on Marion and Will. Yeah, and um, when people are having a pregnancy photo shoot, you should leave them alone because they're clearly something strange is going on with them. But, like, the shot that they use is him watching her change. And it just makes me, like, it's so creepy. Why would you ever, even if you do want to have him spying on, like, their conversation after that, why is that the image we need? We don't. Let's not spy on women while they change, can we? Thanks. This is the point in the movie, because I had forgotten where the romance went in the last three years, where I was like, oh, it's interesting that, like, they're just gonna leave Marion with Will Scarlet, which frankly is what they should have done, because they just do, like, a weird character assassination on him at the end of the movie. Because he's like, you know, I was making all the jokes about, like, I don't know any of what he cares about, but he cares a lot. As much as you have a sense of Will Scarlet in this movie, he's kind of an interesting character. The political situation doesn't make any sense, but, like, he's the guy who's like, I have actually been here doing the work with these people, trying to help them organize for a better life. And you're just like the flashy dude telling them to burn it all down, but you're independently rich, so it doesn't matter for you. Like, I like that tension between the two of them. And I like the kind of like tense agreement they come to. And I'm annoyed that they blow it up because like Marion kisses Robin and now's Will's like, screw it. I don't care about poor people anymore. Yeah. I had forgotten that happened also. It's dumb. Well, you forget that Will gets mad at Marion because she's trying her own thing with Friar Tuck and trying to prove that the sheriff has this mass conspiracy theory. And he's worried that her working on this and basically trying to be a journalist is going to ruin his political future. Which doesn't make any sense. I just feel like the movie, in part because its political situation is nonsense, it goes from having Will be understandably cautious to being petty. 110%. Again, I don't think this movie makes any sense. But, you know, I guess we can kind of move into the final point here. Rob and Marion get back together. Yes, this is during the big street fight, which is where we learn that Nottingham, this like poor community, has flagstone streets everywhere that also melt with fire. Look away. So they're trying to steal the money back from the cardinal and the sheriff. Yeah, because you can't let that money go to the Arabs, who will then use it to win the Crusades, which will depose the king. You can't let that happen. Obviously. So over the course of this battle, Rob and Marion have been working together to on this plan with Friar Tuck and with Will and with everyone. But Rob and Marion are together 
actively taking the gold while Will's up on the street fighting. But he has the unfortunate opportunity to watch Rob and Marion make out while she's pulling an arrow out of him. Yes, mid-fight, mid-fight scene. They have a good long make-out as she yanks an arrow out of him, which you shouldn't do anyway. Just break off the shaft and deal with the arrow later when you have, like, Neosporin, which I assume they have in this universe. Or the ability to pause and put pressure on a bleeding wound. So Will gets upset, obviously. He goes kind of full 180, hates Marion, hates Robin... Teams up with F. Marie Abraham, and at the end of the movie, he gets appointed the new sheriff. And uh, Robin and Marion take the rest of the commoners and escape with the gold that they have taken. Yeah, the movie ends with them going to live in Sherwood Forest together. They yeah. talk about how they're, instead of being the ward of a manor, that they're now outlaws. And yay, happily ever after, we're outlaws together. I do kind of respect the movie not dropping Merry Men anywhere. Yeah. Because it really would not have fit. No, it's it's not with the cool, gritty tone of this movie. All right. So, after watching all of this extremely well-made movie, do you find the romance between Robin and Marion believable? <sighs> That's a thinker. It's interesting because on the face of it, a couple... One of them goes to war, is falsely said as dead. The person moves on, but then the dead person comes back, and although she's fighting it, her feelings reemerge for the old flame, which leads to her new husband to get mad. On the face of it, a believable story. Right, you could imagine that narrative being made, like, in World War II. But, on the other hand, this movie is bad and does no work to convince me of anything except that these men are hot yeah the part of the problem is i feel like you know i said this with will scarlet i feel like pretty much everybody's characterization is all over the place except for ben mendelson who is great so i'm prepared to give this like a seven yeah i was thinking like a seven six or seven Catherine, you have to factor into it that they're hot and thus (laughs) she would fall in love with them but she's with Jamie Dornan, so, like, the hotness goes both ways. Right. Right. I mean, I go back, I have the two pieces, but my two kind of sides to this coin are, if we're talking Middle Ages, she made out with, and obviously with boning, Robin in the beginning, so, like, they can't ultimately break up? Like, that's the, the church would ultimately recognize her first marriage if he came back? Yeah, but people aren't always going to live according to that. Right. And then this movie is bad. So I don't... Uh, I want to give it like a five. You can do that if you want to. I think it's a five. I hate this movie. Now, do you think that Robin, or Rob if you prefer, and Marion are dateable? They're not no. people, so no. Yeah. Like, Marion is definitely more dateable than Rob, but she's kind of annoying and weird. I don't get her. If you did have to choose one person in this movie to date, though, who would you pick? I mean, until, like, the last scene's Jamie Dornan, but I guess not him. Friar Tuck. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And he's been defrocked, so he's fair game. Or, or, the woman who is the de facto lead extra, who gets, like, (laughs) five lines, because she's pro-direct action. I think it has to be 
like all the performances I like are people who either are bad, like Ben Mendelsohn, or wind up being bad. So yeah, I guess it has to be Friar Tuck, who's played by Tim Minchin, who weirdly also wrote the lyrics and music for Matilda the Musical. Do you think that Robin and Marion will stay together? Yes, honestly, I do. I do too. They made it this far. They were going to be in the woods. Like, yeah, I think they're going to make it. They're outlaws together. They have to. Otherwise, one of them will get killed. Last question. Many of the movies we cover are adapted into Broadway musicals. I want to know, do you think not the story of Robin Hood, but specifically the weird modernish version of Robin Hood found in this movie, should it be brought to the stage? Uh, no, we already have Robin Hood men in tights. That's a crazy opinion. This should obviously be made into a musical. You use, like, Spider-Man turn off the dark level, like, athletic stunts <laughs> in it. And so you have, like, all the crazy elements of this movie. And then also just the, like, nonsense emotion of it all. You add songs to it. I don't see how this movie doesn't get better as a musical. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. I think think that's about it any final thoughts on robin hood please never make me watch it again well we'll see <laughs> next week we'll be taking a sharp turn in tone sharp turn back to good movies as we talk about sean baker's 2015 film tangerine until then you can follow the show on facebook and twitter at love the love pod and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at love the love pod at gmail.com Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts to help other people find the show. All right. Last question. Catherine, as our guest, you have the honor of going first. What is the best piece of dating advice we got from this movie? Gosh, I hate it so much. It's hard to get give a real answer here. But I guess fall in love with hot people and you can't go wrong? See, sometimes people are nervous to ask somebody out. And what they should ask themselves then is, if not now, when? And if not you, who? Uh, I was just going to say, give someone a horse and they'll fall in love with you. Well, that works. So there you go. Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest, jumping fences, dodging trees, and trying to get away. Contemplating nothing but escaping, finally making it. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day! Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day!